Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Glad to have you with us. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us as people continue to hop on here. This is the last week in mortgage today. And today we have, and I'm Faith Howard Mooney from TMC, not rich. Um, I have with me today, Jody Hall, who is the president of Nationwide Mortgage Bankers. Thanks for doing this with us today, Jody. For sure. I look forward to your best uh, Rich Swarbinski impersonation. <laughs> I don't know if I have one, although he and I tend to think quite similarly. <laughs> we finally let him, uh, after our conference was over, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, we actually let him have some respite and go on a vacation with his family. He is due back with us tomorrow. So we're kind of excited to see, see what stories he has to share um, from staying down in Florida for a while. But yeah. yeah, so let's just kind of hop in um, to the conversation. Um, we obviously appreciate the fact that you would come to Miami and be with us at our conference. So it's so nice to be able to see you in person um, this last week. There are just so many things that I think are so relevant to the industry that were talked about when we were there. And of course, one of the ones that seems to, you know, kind of happen right out of the gate always is the interest rate environment um, that we're in and that it's rising. And um, one of the things that kind of stem from that that we heard about in a number of sessions is diversification of products in the industry. Um, I heard the word arm, not meaning this arm, but the other type of arm for the first time in a long time. So we'd love to just kind of get your take on, you know, what you heard and what you took away from that. And then, of course, also what Nationwide is doing. And if anybody who's on the call wants to hop in to the chat and share with us what you're doing related to product, we would love to hear that, too. Yes, um, definitely. Uh I think that for a number of reasons, we have to cast bigger nets, um, whether you're out marketing and uh, trying to find uh, buyers who actually can find homes. Um, that is a novel concept. Uh, um, we have so many borrowers that are in, qualified in a pipeline and they and they can't uh, find a property. But, you know, hearing a lot um, about arms, we haven't been an organization that has done arms in the past. Um, uh, there's a all-in-one interest only that was uh, brought to us um, some time ago that we looked into. And I'm like, guys, we have to have another outlet. You can't just have, well, now everyone's like looking at all-in-ones. Um, but also there's a big push to HELOCs. Um, we added um, some HELOC lenders just that we could uh, refer business to so that we can break down that mortgage so that they're, you know, can avoid uh, PMI on the first mortgage, add the HELOC on, you know, borrowers need cash. So if they um, have cash and they want to do home improvements, potentially having them save that cash to a HELOC that they can later um, pay off um, or sec not hearing a lot about second mortgages, but much more about the, the HELOC option. Yeah. Um, also heard a lot from a product perspective of um, working with different investors who are trying to meet their CRA requirements and um, trying to uh, find products that we can serve um, lower served communities uh, and low income areas, which is very difficult. We're really uh, in a, which we knew that it, it would go this way, right? So we have um, historically, um, 
high home values. We um, have interest rates on the rise and um, low inventory in affordable housing. And we're supposed to lend to borrowers that have are you know below market income. And um, it really is like the perfect storm. And there's a lot of talk and really like shaking your head and like, how, how do we get, like, how do you get someone who is below the median income? How do you get them winning bids so that they can get houses? And in the areas that they're in, a lot of times they're being swept up by investors because rental rates at historically high levels. So it's very difficult to be in the mortgage industry right now. I told everyone it was really, it was really easy to look good in 2020 and 2021. Show me what you got now because it isn't easy. Yeah, it's definitely not the same ball game. And that's kind of a hard puzzle to put together if something doesn't change. And whether that's um, that's the Rich Swerbinski plan of, you know, investors gaining something for selling yeah. um, all of the homes they own or somehow giving them some sort of, you know, tax credit incentive. I still think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, it's probably become more relevant now, even than when we started right. talking about it almost a year ago, yep. um, because it's so hard for people just to um, get into a home or even find one here. I'm in the Twin Cities today and, you know, you're in New York. Um, you can't buy a house for anything under three here. Yep. I mean, everything, even, you know, older homes in the, in the city, you're talking fours, fives, sixes at a minimum. And um, mm-hmm. so it is kind of a hard puzzle to solve if something in that equation doesn't, doesn't change. Yeah. Um, Non-QM is another product. You know, we were heavy into non-QM prior to um, the pandemic and all the non-QM investors backed out. So we saw an opportunity going into the new year to increase our non-QM again, because it appeared as though the investors had an appetite for non-QM. And we even worked with you know, Wall Street investors to sell to them. And now we have non-delegated investors that we have loans locked with. And they're like, we're not buying it. It's like, whoa, 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 like, wait a second. Um, So it really is like, even as you're looking at additional products to be able to hopefully better serve your referral clients and to get uh, business in the door, but the game is changing every day. And it's, um, it it definitely is, it's definitely a moving target. So you have to focus on, you know, what you can control, like can't control, you know, what investors are going to do and how shaky they're going to be. We can't control housing inventory, although I'd like to think that we could incentivize builders so that they're, you know, building $300,000 homes as opposed to $600,000 homes so that we can get more people into homes, but, and there's, and then there's no land. So then what do you do? So I think that, um, you know, we have to control what we can control. And a lot of the talk is, is controlling um, expenses. Yeah. Yeah. That was some, something that was talked about quite a bit. As a matter of fact, we had a session, we're going to have it again. Um, when we're in Chicago in September, that was the hundred thousand dollar hour. How do you, um, ways to save money that maybe you as a company haven't thought about. So for those of you that weren't in Miami, please Mm -hmm. join us in Chicago and join that session. I think there were some really, really good ideas in there of things that people hadn't thought of. Um, and one of the things that was mentioned that I 
we were sitting together during that session, I think I leaned over and said, I know this is going to come up in our company even going forward because I saw Rich lean over and write something down. And that was asking your employees for great ideas that they have. They're the ones that are on the front line. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how do you trim some things in their world that maybe you wouldn't see um, that they, they see every day. So um, there is Stacy just popped in here and um, said there were 20 plus ideas just from that session. Yeah. Different things that you could do. Thanks, Stacy. Um, related to cost savings. And I know you've always been really great at that. Anything new, unique that you've had on your plate that you guys are looking at related to how do you make things work in an environment that's very different? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that came out of that session, and I think there were like three different people that said how they monitor it differently. And, you know, it's it's the theory of you sign every check going out mm-hmm. um, and and you once a year. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like if you're doing that once a year and you're waiting until the end of the year, you're screwed this year. Like you're behind <laughs> the eight ball. Um, but I do something that we started doing. I mean, again, like this isn't a surprise, right? Like we knew we knew in 2020 that, I mean, everyone was saying that 2021 was, was going to be a terrible year. And then we're in 2021 and we're like going into 2022 and there's no housing inventory and we have supply chain issues and everything else. Like you knew we were going to end up here. So I think that you have to do it on a weekly basis, honestly. So um, every week, and this has been since I started here, I'm in accounts payable every week. I'm seeing the money that's going out. But um, mid last year, we started renegotiating contracts. Um, one of our, our biggest, um, was renegotiating warehouse contracts. And I know coming out of the meeting last week, uh, we talked about it, uh, significantly. Um, so sorry, warehouse banks, um, if you're all getting, uh, hit up. Um, but, you know, we saw that as an opportunity to take a big, um, bite out of what expenses are. Um, but we've gone back through all contracts. So I'm, um, just signed, uh, updated contract with, with our QC vendor with a uh, 12% reduction in post-closing QC, 20% reduction in um, the EPDs and uh, decline reviews. Um, And, you know, it's the conversation, and we've talked about this before and kind of my theory um, on vendors. Like, I don't want to work with people I don't want to work with, right? Like, we, it's kind of like 20 plus years in the business, um, kind of feel like I have earned to work with people that I want to work with. So when we are vetting vendors, we're looking for people who fit into our culture. When you do that, it's a much easier conversation when you say, hey, listen, we, you know, production's down 30% or, you know, margins in the industry are down 60%. All of those numbers, you say, listen, you know, we really, we didn't say anything in 2020, 2021, we were doing really well. Now we're feeling a little bit of a stress. And when you're renegotiating those contracts, it makes a much better conversation and easier conversation when you've developed a relationship with your third-party vendors. So when you're going back and having those conversations, it's like it's give and take and it's a relationship business. And that's also it's not just with your with your clients, it's you as the client should be have those relationships. Um, so we've been nego- going back and negotiating every contract. And even when they say and that's it, I, I still ask for more, right? Like the worst you can be told is no. Um, And it's like, well, someone else, there's someone else out there that can do what you do. Um, 
and I can go find it. So, um, you know, so definitely negotiating contracts, um, the sign every check kind of, of theory. So you, you have your finger on where the money is going. Um, check your seat counts. Um, this was something I learned the hard way. So yeah. like, um, optimal blue, you're handing out, you know, you're recruiting, you're handing out usernames and passwords. So people recruits can look at pricing. You're doing all these things. And, um, well, if you lose sight of that, you have a seat count. When you go over it, you start paying X number of dollars. It's happened to me, um, a number of times before with a CRM with, um, I always have been a freak about encompass seats because I never want to have more seats than I fund loans, even though um, you, you, you're like, that can never happen. It can happen and it will. Um, same thing with, uh, with Optimal Blue and just anything that has a seat count, make sure that those seats are being used. And if they're not being used and take it back. And even if you're passing that cost onto the branch, do it for your branches. It makes them sticky. It helps you build relationships that you're looking out for them and in and, and their best interest. So get them out of the way of themselves. Move to um, soft pull credit. We do a two-bureau soft pull. Um, that way you're paying a reduced cost from then paying for the full credit reports because let's face it, credit report fees keep going up and up and up and up. It's being passed on to the consumer, um, except for those ones that don't close in our case. So if you do a two-bureau pull, at least you're weeding out who you can't do business with. Um, so you're not increasing that in um the other thing, and this is, I can't believe I didn't think of this, and I forget who even brought it up, is um, once you have bid out your, your loans and take your top investor and ask for two to six basis points more. And even if they say yes, 50% of the time, which was like the, the amount that was thrown out there, you're still, that's real money that you have pick up on the sale alone. So that was a great one. So whoever said it, it's, I didn't say it, I'm not taking credit for it, but it was an amazing um, idea. And uh, thank you for that. Cause guess what? My, our poor caps market people, I'm like, did you ask, did you ask? <laughs> Of course they did, because they knew you were going to ask. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and Laura Schmidt, who's on with us today, said her their internal audit department is currently running an audit to look at subscriptions to things and usage to identify costs. One of the things I think that people always forget about, and I think everybody's kind of guilty of it, when you get so busy and you're adding a lot of staff, you also forget when you lose those staff to eliminate them from your seats. I yep. mean, of things. Yep. It's like, are there people on your list that don't work for you anymore or, you know, move to a different role that they don't need that current seat in that application? Yep. Um, that type of thing. I think it's always good to try to stay abreast of that. It's probably more important now than, than ever before, but. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which brings me to one that we also talked about and, you know, has always been my passion is introducing technology to do things more efficiently. And it doesn't even have to be about buying a software, right? Like yeah. if you can just, um, we were talking um, with our operations managers yesterday morning, and they have been making an effort to um, double check files before they go into underwriting. 
and make sure that the files are just clean. And we're seeing that the underwriters are able to get through more just through that process and pushing files back. So if you take a look at like every step of your process, and if you can just like clean, if every day you can just get a tiny bit better, if you just have a tiny bit more um, quality, higher quality being passed to the next person, that's going to turn into days. And those days are going to turn into higher production by your underwriters. It's going to um, turn into reduced cost. It's going to turn into reduced errors where you have post-closing issues on the back end of the process. And I also think educating each of the departments on what the other department does and why it's so important that they do that and take care of it up front so it doesn't turn into like, for example... You need to check and make sure that your that the FICO on in the encompass matches AUS, matches the credit report, so that you don't think that you have a loan locked at a 770 and you find out you have a 683, and then you're finding that out in the back end of the process, and then you're having to try to unwind it. You can't unwind it, and then you're creating cost for your loan officers. So I think having those conversations and educating people too goes a long ways in knowing what the impact of them not doing something is downstream. Yeah. And it's all about time. Time is money. Um, you know, the more that you can get out of your staff, I know we've started to implement some, just like all of you are looking at how your staff is utilized and what they're doing. Um, we're implementing some things here even that um, we implemented one easy thing. It saved us four and a half hours a month. And, you know, four and a half hours isn't a big amount of time, but we're also a relatively small team. But four and a half hours is four and a half hours our, our member benefits advocates can, you know, have with their clients and learn more about your business so that we can help you more. It's it's about maximizing what they're working on and they're working at the highest and best use versus some of the things that, you know, they don't really need to have their hands on. So for sure. Yeah. Lots of lots of low-hanging fruit. Check your purchase advice reconciliation process. Um we we went through uh and used actually a tool that we already had, but we went through that process where someone would go into Encompass and enter all of the purchase advice information on a daily basis. And no, this is not a plug for uh for Jonathan Freed's uh <laughs> purchase advice, uh, OCR technology. But um, we, we took that and we went to the investors. We tried to get it into an Excel spreadsheet. So some of our investors, we get the we get the file and the other ones, we get the physical ones, but we type it into a template and we use the Kinsey May batch upload tool where we update um, fields. So we use that batch update tool. So it took a, a person who did that full time to about two hours a day. So that's real time. Then that person can spend more time on the lock desk and helping high, provide a higher level of customer service and really comfort uh, to the loan officers as they're as they're locking loans. For everyone who joined recently, this is the last week in mortgage today with Faith Howard Mooney, and we've got with us Jody Hall um, from Nationwide Lending today. Um, one of the things that also came um, out of our conversations in down in Miami was some different programs that are people are looking at related primarily to new construction lending, um, lock and shop programs, 12 month locks, and people are trying to be creative with what they're doing related to interest rates rising and longer time to get into a house. Um, share any experiences that you've had with those types of, of programs. 
So um, someone told me they were doing, we do a, a underwritten pre-approval. So the client gets their credit income and assets um, underwritten. Um, I heard of a lender that has taken that to also locking. And in the Cleveland market, there's a local bank that does um, lock and shop um, where they do the same uh, under, they do the same credit underwrite with a TBD property and then they lock it. Um, it scares me to death. You know, I, I mean, well, and it's like, well, you're, how long are you doing the lock? And they said 90 days. I have borrowers in our pipeline that have been, have gone through our buy now underwritten pre-approval that have been sitting 120, 180 days. Like, I mean, and it's not just like one-offs. It, there's a lot. Um, it could be, you know, partially because of the, the geography that we lend in. Um, but I just, you know, I have a real fear for those long-term locks. We're, we don't do um, construction loans. Um, so if we were to have an investor who wanted to do a non-delegated for, our, uh, you know, however long one-time close or however long they want to do the locks on uh, the loans. And I think that um, it's something that we are looking into, but not something that I want to take the risk um, from being an IMB. Um, and having those those long term locks because I mean half our locks today are underwater on thirty day locks and forty five day locks. I can't imagine going even further out. I definitely would lose a lot more sleep than I already do. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's further further things to be investigated there. I'm sure that we have some of our banking entities that have the ability to portfolio. Um, you know, working in maybe more of more of that arena. Um, one of the things we also talked, it came up quite often there. And, you know, I'm not an experienced person in the condo, condo market, but um, we heard a lot about condo related issues when we were in Miami, um, specifically related to the new requirements that are out there. So just wanted to give a heads up to everybody on the call that has condo questions. We do, we have set a date on 4-6, I believe at, um, it's either at 3 or 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I get my Eastern and my Central mixed up depending on where I'm at um, to talk, to just get together and talk about what all of those issues are related to condos and the challenges that you're having. Um, Jody and I were talking um, prior to hopping on the call here. And um, in the past, some of the fees associated with those condo docs and everything, we've heard a lot from people that they, because of the fact that they're having a hard time getting info, um, they were, uh, it's at 3 p.m. Eastern. Thank you, Angie Scarfino on April 6th. Um, people were waiving those fees for their borrowers and their borrowers weren't paying them. But in the environment that we're in right now, you know, it's like, it's a big cut into your margins. And um, I think that, you know, we need to get together and try to find some maybe better, better solutions or ideas on, on ways that, uh, that will work better for people rather than waiving those fees and not uh, charging them. So um, let's talk a little bit about an even happier topic, audits. Um, heard that, yeah, heard from a lot of people that not only um, are, were their audits increased, and I was amazed at how many audits people were being hit with kind of all at once, um, but kind of an uptick in findings. So can you share any insight that you have as a lender 
on kind of what's going on in that environment? So I don't want to talk about audits and the um, lack that we have had, because then I feel like that someone's going to come knocking, but I'm knocking on wood, Um, not um, not audits. Um, We went through just the FHA um, standard review. No one wants to use the audit word. Um, And this was, I think we're fortunate because it was the beginning of of last year. And um, I I don't think I would want to go through that right now because I feel like anybody's finding any reason (laughs) to send you a repurchase demand (laughs) or indemnification. So um, where we have seen the greatest increase has been with Freddie. Um, And, you know, we've been extremely fortunate in being able to fight them. But when you talk about efficiency, it's just a waste of time. Um, You know, uh, Freddie sent us a repurchase request. um, It's been about three weeks ago. And um, I, I hope no one's within earshot because they don't want to hear about this loan another time because I lost my mind. Um, So we had a borrower who had consolidated debt and was like at 43 per or, uh, 41% debt ratio loan goes to Freddie. Freddie comes back and says, Hey, we don't like the way that you calculated income. Um, we want you to use this. And we're like, well, okay, we'll use that. We also verified assets borrow had $80,000. So we were going to be approved eligible all day long. Just use the, use your calculation and move on goes back and forth. Well, um, because the ratio was higher then they still wanted to recourse, there was a credit supplement in the file. They were still counting every single debt against the borrower. The ratio was actually below what the, what it had been, um, what they had been running at. And, and they're like fighting us tooth and nail. And it, like, once it hit the third time, I'm, I jump into it. I'm like, let me talk to your underwriter. But it's just like that waste of time that you have to pull resources to defend what the underwriter, and in many cases had even gone through QC. Um, so we had an underwriter that said, this is the approval. QC reviews it agrees with the underwriter and pre-close, then it comes back. And then you almost feel like you're arguing with someone who's new to the industry. And it doesn't seem to be a lot of bend. Um, So I don't mind having reviews, but make them worth, you know, show me that I have something wrong so that I can put together an action plan to make it better if I see a trend, but there's no trend there. You know, it seems to be a lot of just paper shuffling back and forth. And ultimately there's no recourse, no repurchase. Um, But it's taking a tremendous amount of time because you, it scares everyone, right? You see the email come across and you're like, what did we do? What did we do? And it's like a false alarm. And then people get desensitized to those. So then they're not doing as thorough of a job as they generally would to fight it. And it's just back and forth, back and forth. Um, We do have a lot of state audits going on right now. Um, But I think that that might just be due to the timing of when our licensing, um, when we initially got our license. So we're like hitting the the two and four year mark on a lot of those. So I think that just they're happening to hit all at once, but um, not seeing really any findings coming back out of those. Um, So it's, it's mostly the, it's mostly the Freddie stuff, but we don't do a ton, like we're 20% uh, govy loans. So we, you would expect that 
you would expect that our conventional stuff that we were seeing, but we're just seeing a higher percentage from Friday than Fannie. Yeah, we um, heard a lot from um, some of our lender members, specifically on the IMB side, that they have seen a lot of repurchase requests begin to flow across their desk. Um, And I don't know if that's, you know, I guess, is it because people now have time to look at them? Or, you know, is it, um, is it time, you know, or do they think that they're seeing a lesser quality somewhere along the line? Um, but we would love to hear from you, your member benefits advocate for those lenders that are on the phone. If you're having a number of those, I think we'll be planning some time to talk about how best to tackle those because people haven't, um, you know, really had a lot of those land across their desk in the, in the last couple of years. And it kind of seems to be like, there's a little bit of a, a trend there with that happening. Yeah, I'm starting to see people hit the where we didn't have issues with collateral for so long. um, Now we're starting to see more questions on collateral than we've seen for a while, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose with things having escalated, that should in the last couple of years, that maybe is expected a little bit. But um, yeah, so we've got just one minute left. LOs, LOs that have been LOs just for the last couple of years. Um, We heard a lot about people haven't had to sell. What are you doing related to training Um, and some of those those types of things? Um, You know, tell us what your feelings are related to LO training and selling really in when you have to sell a different way in the current environment and the environment that we're probably going into. Well, we obviously um, take a very aggressive approach on education in general. So we have been fortunate enough, our um, head of learning and development um, created NMB University Sales Institute, and we started our first session back in September. But now we're seeing that we can relay some of that. We have a script diversity So what do you say um, in this scenario Um, so that we can even loan officers who are already licensed, it could be very beneficial to them. And I do think that the mortgage collaborative is doing a good job and moving the right direction with the addition of Stacy and bringing bringing a university, uh, mortgage university to the TMC to help its member benefits is definitely um, the right area. And um, I give a shout out to them um, and looking very much forward to helping them along the way um, so that other members can take advantage. Yeah, we just heard so much of people that, you know, it's like, especially in our maybe smaller lender member group, the ability to pay for some of the services out there for training that are out there just so cost prohibitive. Um, so yeah, so Stacy's on the call with us today. I know she appreciates the shout out that you gave her related to our new learning and development platform that's being created. And we'll love to share that out with all the rest of you who have been on the call with us today um, as, soon as, as soon as we have information to share and hope that you will join us. So I can't believe it. We're at the end of our half an hour already. That always goes by so quickly. So Jody, thank you so much as always for helping us out um, and sharing your knowledge with everybody within the network. Everyone else who's on, have a fantastic day today. Um, Come back next Tuesday at the same time to see Rich and you'll have to ask him some questions about his vacay and how much fun he had. So look forward to seeing all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you, Faith. You did your best, Rich Swarbinski. Thanks.
For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.